98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines, two Democratic Party lawmakers report to police to be charged over their role in a protest inside LegCo. The MTR Corporation begins checks on construction work at the troubled Hong Hom station. And Hong Kong's equality watchdog says it may sue Facebook as it seeks to stamp out racial abuse on the social network. Democratic Party lawmakers Andrew Wan and Lan Chuk Ting have reported to police to face charges over their behaviour at a LegCo meeting in June. The pair were among a group of pro-democracy lawmakers who protested against plans to declare part of the West Kowloon Express Rail Terminus as mainland territory. Both have been told they will be charged with obstructing LegCo staff from performing their duties. Mr Wan will also be charged with common assault. Flanked by supporters outside police headquarters in Wan Chai, the two said they wouldn't back down in the face of what they call oppression. Mr Lam says the case shows that while former Chief Executive C.Y. Lung would talk tough, his successor, Carrie Lam, quietly gets on with taking action against the opposition. Mrs Carrie Lam tried her very best to suppress the democratic camp by disqualifying the councillors by prosecuting two of us. And I do think that Mrs. Carrie Lam just tried to uh, follow the instruction of the central government to try to minimize the voice of the opposition camp and try to weaken our power in the Legislative Council. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Tien has come out in support of the MTR Corporation's plans for spot checks at the troubled Hong Kong station, just a week after criticising the proposal. Mr Tien, the chairman of LegCo's Railway Subcommittee, had said the plan to dig up the newly built platforms in 80 spots was too limited. Speaking as the railway company begins its four-month inspection of the station today, Mr Tien said he changed his mind after receiving more details. My understanding has always been that if they were going to dismantle part of the uh, cement slab, it would be the top layer and the bottom layer. They are now saying that the random sampling would cover anything even in the middle if being selected, which means that, therefore, the total number of couplers inspected would be way more than 168. So, to me, this is a more invasive way of doing the checking. The Equal Opportunities Commission says it is increasingly worried about a rise in offensive comments against ethnic minorities and mentally ill people posted on social media, mainly on Facebook. Hong Kong Unison is one of the charities which complained over the attacks. Its executive director, Phyllis Cheng, says it gets more than 10 offensive replies against people of South Asian descent on every posting. She wants the commission to track down those responsible. Those people's comments would be very, very mean, calling a particular racial group a dark, greedy, and they're all criminals. And some of them are very violent, calling them they should all die or um, they should all be raped. So those, those are very, very serious hate speeches. The EOC's chief operations officer, Michael Chan, says it is unable to investigate because Facebook isn't giving details of who posted the messages and it is considering legal action to get that information. In investigating into a complaint, we would uh, need to have the uh, personal identity of the uh, respondent. And this personal data are now being held 
uh, by the uh, social media concern. Vilification and inciting uh, hatred is a very serious matter. And if the EOC is not able to follow up on the issue, we are not doing justice to the disadvantage. A Chinese technology executive whose detention in China, Canada has hit share prices around the world has asked for bail. The chief financial officer of Huawei, Meng Wanzhou, was arrested more than a week ago at the request of the United States, which accused her of violating sanctions on Iran. Here's the BBC's Grant Ferret. In a submission to the court in Vancouver, Meng Wanzhou says she's innocent of the charges and would contest them if extradited to the United States. She says she doesn't pose a flight risk, referring to long-standing links with the city and significant property holdings there. China has demanded her release, warning of unspecified action against the United States and Canada. A senior Trump administration official, Robert Lighthizer, has insisted that the arrest should not affect efforts to end the trade war between Washington and Beijing. But stock markets remain nervous that this case complicates an already fraught relationship between the world's two biggest economies. Here in Hong Kong, Democratic Party lawmaker James Tso is urging the government to look into reports that Ms Meng held three Hong Kong passports. In official documents submitted to Canadian authorities, US investigators said Ms Meng held the Hong Kong documents as well as four passports from the People's Republic of China. Mr Tso, vice chairman of LegCo's security panel, said that the Immigration Department should publicly confirm it is examining the matter even if privacy concerns mean it can't reveal the outcome of its probe. However, New People's Party lawmaker and former security chief Regina Ip says the department could clarify the matter privately. I don't think we should form any judgment based on piecemeal and limited information available on the internet and in the affidavits uh, filed by US and Canadian officials. Um, I think if there is any need for clarification, it should be done through the usual official channels between Immigration Department and Canadian authorities. It is inappropriate to discuss any personal details publicly. A man accused of murdering British backpacker Grace Millane has appeared in a New Zealand court. She disappeared 10 days ago on the eve of her 22nd birthday. Police found her body yesterday in Parkland, just outside Auckland. A 26-year-old man, who cannot be named for legal reasons, appeared in court charged with her murder. He wasn't required to enter a plea and was remanded in custody until January the 23rd. Sam Hurley, from the New Zealand Herald, says the murder surprised many locals. Shock, to be honest. A lot of people didn't think that this sort of crime was perhaps possible in New Zealand. But there has been an, an outpouring of support for Grace's family. Of course, her father is, is in Auckland now. And I hear that there are potentially going to be some candlelight vigils that are held later this week. The White House official widely touted as President Trump's favourite to succeed his outgoing chief of staff, John Kelly, is instead leaving the administration at the end of this month. Sources told the Washington Post that Nick Ayres, the 36-year-old chief of staff to Vice President Mike Pence, was sceptical over taking the position with Mr Trump because of the rocky tenures of his predecessors. On the eve of the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony in Oslo, the two winners have called on the world to take action against those who use rape as a weapon of conflict. Nadia Murad, who campaigns on behalf of Yazidi women raped in Iraq, 
said not a single Islamic State perpetrator had been prosecuted, even though the group boasted of rape in its propaganda to attract new recruits. Dennis McQuaggy, who runs a hospital in the Democratic Republic of Congo that specialises in surgery for victims, said the world had been turning a blind eye. Unfortunately, during armed conflicts, women are often the ones who pay the highest price. I think we have today come to a time where it is not enough to talk about it and to denounce it. We really now have to act. Why do we have to act? Well, what we see during armed conflicts is that women's bodies become battlefields, and this cannot be acceptable. Yemeni government and Houthi rebel negotiators have met face-to-face for the first time since they began peace talks in Sweden on Thursday. Yemen has been devastated by years of war between the Saudi-backed government and the rebels, who have Iranian support. Here's the BBC's Alan Johnston. In the first days of the talks, which began near Stockholm on Thursday, UN officials shuttled between the government and rebel delegations. But now, in a positive development, the two sides have come together in the same room. They discussed the planned prisoner exchange. It's a measure intended to build trust ahead of negotiations on very much tougher issues that may lie ahead. Far from the gathering in Sweden, back in Yemen, many lives may depend on the peace process continuing to inch forwards. The French government is making a renewed attempt to end protests that have scarred the country for the past four weekends. A spokesman said President Emmanuel Macron would make a televised address to the nation this week. 136,000 people are said to have joined the protests. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. President Emmanuel Macron is often accused of having a Jovian style, aloof like a Roman god, but now he's having to engage with the disparate yellow vest movement of anti-government protesters. His cabinet has already scrapped the fuel duty rises that sparked the demonstrations. Mr Macron has been rattled by the vehemence of the opposition to his flagship policies on climate change. He's expected to offer more concessions to people struggling to make ends meet. That could mean targeted aid or cutting their social security contributions. The Secretary for Financial Services, James Lau, says local stocks will benefit from a decision to allow mainland investors to trade in shares of Hong Kong-listed companies that have dual voting rights from mid-2019. Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing announced yesterday that it had agreed with peers in Shanghai and Shenzhen to include companies with weighted voting rights in southbound trading under the Stock Connect scheme. In June, Xiaomi became the first company to list in Hong Kong with weighted voting rights, which give company founders and bosses the chance to sell shares without ceding control. The local stock exchange was caught off guard when mainland regulators banned investors from trading in such companies. Despite the news, Xiaomi shares slumped 2.6% this morning, and they're still trading about 22% below their IPO offer price. Alibaba says it will pay almost $1.3 billion to increase its stake in Hong Kong-listed Alibaba Pictures from 49 to 51%. Alibaba's chief executive, Daniel Zhang, said the move to take control was a vote of confidence in the production house. Shares in Alibaba Pictures rallied more than 7% this morning. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,694, 369 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $40 billion. 
and the currencies. The US dollar is trading at 112.42 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 14 cents and the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 95 cents. Now to sport, here's Atom Chung. We start with football news. River Plate have won South America's top club competition, the Copa Libertadores. They beat their arch rivals, Boca Juniors, 3-1 after extra time, 5-3 on aggregate. River Plate pulled away in the extra frame with goals from Juan Quintero and Gonzalo Martinez. The game was moved from Buenos Aires to Madrid after crowd violence led to the second leg of the final being postponed twice. Alejandro Dominguez is president of South American football's governing body. He says it was a right choice to play the final in Spain. We did not betray anyone. In fact, we made the decision of having this match played. And we think that decisions of coming here were because of what happened in, in River Stadium. So in the future, I think that everyone has to count and be responsible for their actions. They had the chance. And we had to make the decision that uh, this match was going to be played and not decided in, in other ways. Ronnie O'Sullivan has claimed a record seventh UK snooker championship title after beating Mark Allen 10-6. O'Sullivan came into this year's event tied with Steve Davis on six tournament victories. His successful title defense means he now has 19 World, UK and Master trophies, passing Stephen Hendry's record in the Triple Crown events. I played very well today, you know, and I, I don't, you know, and, and I still was, didn't, you know, I was still having to convince myself to believe that I could win, you know, because that's how hard it felt a match. But yeah, great to create history, great to beat the Nuggets record, amazing to beat my hero's record, Stephen Hendry, who's the ultimate player. Um, I still got eight world titles to get, so um, I'll be chasing that one. But that's that's uh, that, that's, that's another thing altogether. Next to American football, the New Orleans Saints have clinched their second straight NFC South title by coming back in the second half to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 28-14. Drew Brees threw for one touchdown and ran for another to help the Saints rally from an 11-point halftime deficit. Their record is now 11-2. Elsewhere, Miami denied New England the win that would have clinched a 10th consecutive division title for the Patriots. The Dolphins prevailed 34-33 after Kenyon Drake ran the last 52 yards, including the game-winning touchdown. And finally, in basketball, in the second meeting of the season between the top two teams in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks have once again prevailed against the league-leading Toronto Raptors. Yanis Antetokounmpo dominated the glass by grabbing a season-high 19 rebounds to go with his 19 points for the Bucks. Malcolm Brogdon made a pair of three-pointers in the closing seconds to give Milwaukee the lead, and they went on to win 104-99 in Toronto. The Raptors have lost two in a row. And that's your look at sports. The news from RTHK. Be this way. 
The promise is a promise. I can trust him completely because he keeps his word. Help me achieve things that every time. 